Hello, everybody. My name is Len. I'm the host of the Targeted Justice v. Garland, a podcast about an extraordinary lawsuit. Today's the episode number 45, and this is our pre-Christmas episode. So we will be saying Merry Christmas to you at the end, and I hope you watch the entire episode because it contains truly groundbreaking information, and we can't wait to share it with you. So please say hi to my co-host and attorney for the plaintiffs in this historic lawsuit, a wonderful woman, a person you don't meet every day, Anna Toledo. Hi, thank you, Lynn, and hi, everybody. Yeah, indeed, we this this episode is the culmination of a lot of work because even though what we're going to talk about is not necessarily TJV Garland, I think that TJV Garland unleashed a series of events that has culminated in what we're going to talk about today, and I'm just ready to ready for it. Let's go. Let's do it, Anna. Our legal episode and the only episode today is called the Watchlisting Enterprise, and we will present to you why. I wanted to start with a screenshot that was shown during the CBS report uh, that we discussed last week that we couldn't actually play. Then, then we released a clip of that CBS report. We've, we were finally able to access it. And... This caught my attention. There was a structure of the TSDS. They call it TSDS, the screen data set. But we already talked about the difference between TSDB and, and the data set. So when you see data set, it means database. They actually showed us the three category that according to the CBS reporter, it contains the no-fly list, the selectee list, and expanded selectee list. So three category in TSDB, according to the latest recent CBS report. And then just like a Christmas present on December 19, so-called Peters report was released. U.S. Senator Gary Peters is a Democrat from Michigan. He's a chairman of the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Committee. And this report called Mislabeled as a Threat, How the Terrorist Watch List and Government Screening Practices Impact Americans. This report confirms the dramatic growth in opaque U.S. watch listing that infringe on American civilians' rights and liberties, something that we've been talking about since the beginning of this year. I was extremely excited to see it. And so inside this report, almost contradicting the CBS report, there's a little bit more of the truth. Terrorist watch list was shown to have four categories, not three. So no-fly list, selectee list, expanded selectee list, and the exception records. This the exception record is something that, Anna, you put in the lawsuit. So please tell me if you feel vindicated. Absolutely. So that is what the statement under penalty of perjury by Mr. Grow saying. There are a few exceptions, except that now we know because they have admitted 
that only 0.5% of the watch list is Americans. And the watch list per se is comprised of the known and suspected terrorist. That is the 2 million. So yeah, the exception records, that's what we want to talk about because the exception, as we have said all along, is not an exception, it's the rule. And it's the majority of the people on the terrorist screening database and it's comprised of non-investigative subjects, also known as targeted individuals. And the most important thing is that it is in the Senate report. So there's no denying it. Going further into the report, uh, the report talks about 22 screening mechanisms that could impact traveler experience. Now we are finding seven categories related to TSDB which is even more categories than before. Those are no-fly list, selectee list, expanded selectee list. It doesn't, show, it doesn't show the exceptions, but it shows something new. Silent partner list, quiet skies list, uh, something that we talked about on the show. And then the CBPs, which is CBPs, Custom and Border Protection. CBPs rules-based targeting lists. I've never heard of it. And tactical terrorist response team interviews. So the story is getting even more interesting. Now we went through from four categories in the database to seven categories related or built upon the TSDB. Well, first of all, it's a complete, I would say, abuse of the administrative power, which is something that right now is before the Supreme Court too, the administrative state and the its so-called Chevron rule, which is a challenge that they're they're doing to the Chevron rule, which is administrative agencies should not have so much power to do regulate, to impose sanctions, to be judge and jury, you know, prosecutor, judge and jury. One of the things that has to just jump out at you is this. As Mr. Grow expressed, the exceptions to the known and suspected terrorists, they never get screened at the border or by TSA because they are never supposed to find out that they are on the list. So despite all of this list, there is a lot that is not there that we're going to talk about, you know, how the Congress told them they were not forthcoming in their information request because all of these agencies tsa cbp they do screening but the caveat with non-investigative subjects is that they're never supposed to find out they are on a list because they don't represent a terrorist threat and pursuant to mr grow words they don't get screened as such that's an important caveat my next slide is something related to a court case that we discussed on the show before. It's called El Haiti v. Cable. And in that case, there was an exhibit that showed the number of people in various categories in TSDB, in NCIC. So it was a big spreadsheet. And I decided, let's put graphs together. Let's see how it looks visually. So this is the data extracted from that exhibit. As a disclosure, the document was put together by an expert for the plaintiffs, but he used data provided by the government defendants. These are 
all TSDBs, the entire database. Not every year is available, but as you can see, it grew 480% from the inception of it. And then there was a big adjustment in 2008, 2009. And then from that point, it grew more than 12 times from this inception. Do you have any commentaries? Yeah, I think though that those 2 million and all of these before, they only refer to known and suspected terrorists. In El Haiti versus Cable, the defendants did not admit that they had hidden categories and thus they did not provide the numbers for those hidden categories. But there are some weird tables about nominations, acceptances and rejections. And then there was a larger number that was unaccounted for. And that is the number that I believe was for handling codes three and four. So I think that what you show here is really the known and suspected terrorists part of the list because they did not provide the numbers on handling codes three and four. This is what stood out to me. I look at this growth from 2013 to 2023, and this growth appears in a straight line. If you spend a day in the real world, and I spent 30 years working for a free market business, this looks to me like projection numbers. The real life numbers never look like this. So when they call TSDB an enterprise, they're not joking. They actually mean it. These are projected numbers and they find people to be on the TSDB, regardless of what's going on with terrorism, regardless of the data. These are the numbers they projected and these are the numbers they delivered. This goes along with what Mr. Steve Friend has been saying, that they were pressuring agents to find domestic terrorists and to put people on the terrorist list, no matter if they didn't meet the criteria. It's like you say, it's like they set goals and they just look for people to put in there to fill in those goals. And one thing that we have to look at down the line when we get the real handling codes three and four is this. I believe that the line is like that as well when it comes to mass shootings. From 2008 to the present, the mass shooting line is very similar to this one. I don't think it's any coincidence. Here's another thing that stood out to me. This drop, this adjustment that was made from 2007 to 2008. The document that I based this graphs on said that TSC removed 100,000 uh, listees from the TSDB between 2004 and 2007. But the decrease between 2007 and 2008 was 360,000. That's a huge deficit. And so what that tells me, I don't think these people just disappeared from the TSDB. They were probably moved in, in some kind of shape or form. And what that tells me, that we search person listed in the TSDB, we must request that that data includes all the database information from the inception of the database. Would you agree, Anna? 
Yeah, that's exactly why we insist on the database and not the data set, because I think that particularly defendants in our, our case are projecting that one court one day will demand that we be granted access to it just as the attorneys were granted in El Haiti versus Cable and Kovac v. Ray, the court was granted access to examining it. And what they want to do is a limited thing. I totally agree with you. I think that what they do is they removed 100,000 people from the watch list, but they maintain them in the TSDB. And the reason for this is, for example, we have the evidence if the Abraham case versus Department of uh, Homeland Security, I believe it was, a California case, that the FBI said, okay, she's no longer in the watch list, but we maintain her in the database. For now, even if she doesn't meet the uh, reasonable criteria, a uh, suspicion criteria, the problem with Ibrahim is that she was not an American citizen. And that's what we're going for right now. American citizens that have absolutely no ties to terrorism should not be in any criminal list. And that's exactly what this is. So I think that all those decreases, it was just like you said, it was a shift. They moved them to the targeted individuals, to the human experimentation roster. And that is what Congress has to wake up and look at. Because from this report, what I'm going to read a little later, it's obvious there's people missing. You know, it's obvious that the numbers, the numbers don't add up. That's exactly my conclusion, that the numbers largely don't add up. So here is here's the exercise I went through. For certain years, there was additions, nominations, and removals or rejections. So I calculated them and I shifted it by one year because obviously what's been nominated in one year will show up in the next year. So I prepared this graph that I don't think we ever looked at it in this graphic format. The blue bar shows the number of listees, all persons, all people in the TSDB. And then for the years where they show nomination, rejections, and I calculated what the net additions to TSDB would be. And then added to the previous years. And so according to that, there should be more people on the TSDB in 2009. And then in 2013, there should be less people. So the met numbers don't match. And then 2014 and up, there is this, this steady difference. So if I go by the numbers of people added to the list, it's much higher than, than TSDB. So your hypothesis that not everybody showing on that TSDB is like this, not this actually supports it. And the difference in this year, every year is about 500,000. So where all this half a million people is someone writing double books. That's what it tells me. Definitely. The, the numbers, see, the numbers are provided by them, but they don't add up. They're supposed to, okay, if you have so many nominations, so many rejections, so many additions, what's that other rest? That big remaining part is the people that are put in there just to fill up the TSDB with people because I believe it's about money. It's like the more people we have to monitor, the more people we have on this list, the more money we give to contractors to be following them around, the more money we give to InfraGuard to be doing surveillance. It's all about the circling of money. That's what it is. 
And most interesting to me is also that when the TSDB was put in the presidential directive in 2003, it only contained two categories. Then we see three categories. Then we see four categories. Then we see seven categories. It didn't come from the presidential directive. It came out from the tendency of the FBI to hide people in these different categories. So it gets very complicated. When in 2003, they said, oh, we have 12 different databases. We need to consolidate it. And they consolidated it. And then from there, it grew up into seven different categories. That's exactly what we're saying, that it's illegal. That, first of all, it's not an act of Congress. And that's what Kovac v. Ray is fighting in the Fifth Circuit that the terrorist screening database has to be an act of Congress because of the major questions rules, because it impacts so many aspects of somebody's life. But what we were saying is that handling codes three and four, the non-investigative subjects that is not authorized by Homeland Security Presidential Directive 6. Therefore, all these other lists that they're concocting are illegal because they are devoid of a legal authority. This report makes it clear that they have gone overboard in doing their own little rules, and it's it's just a, it's a violation of the separation of powers. I completely agree. Let's look at the next slide. This graph shows you the number of TSDB listees who are U.S. persons. So from 2004 to 2007, the number of U.S. persons in the entire TSDB was steadily 1%. That piqued my interest. And then from 2013, it was 0 0.9, 0 0.7, 0 0.6, 0 0.5, 0 0.4. The percentages of all TSDB listings does not reflect real-world numbers. Those are projections. We already looked at it. And then in 2008, there was a reset. But these numbers, 1%, 1%, 1%, they keep it under 1%. Those are projections. This is the enterprise. It has nothing to do with the real world. It has to do with the way the FBI projected to do business. That's my thesis for this uh, slide. Look, they have lied so much. If these numbers are in any way accurate, I think that it is the U.S. persons on the known and suspected terrorist part of the list. That's what I think. Not the entire TSDB. It's just the watch list component of it because it's too little. It's too little. We estimate that handling codes three and four, there's from between 300 to 400,000 people. And, and that doesn't even reach that. So I think that this refers to the watch list, the people on the watch list. That when they talk about the TSDB, they don't want to admit and acknowledge the secret categories because they're so illegal. See, so I think that they say TSDB, but they talk about the watch list. Right. And we saw that surplus, half a million people are missing from the TSDB. Who are they? Where are they? Who they are? We don't know. Your suggestion is very reasonable. That concludes my Excel spreadsheet graphs. 
Now let's go back to this Christmas present, what I call the Homeland Security and Government Affairs Report. There are six findings in this report. There are at least 22 different mechanisms that might lead Americans to receive additional screening. That's number That's number one conclusion. Number two conclu conclusion, the size of the terrorist watch list has increased dramatically. Number three conclusion, the executive branch watch lists more than terrorists. The process is opaque. Number four conclusion, the non-government entities have access to terrorist watch list data. Number five, the executive branch is not holistically assessing whether discrimination is occurring across full screen enterprise. Number six, the process of redress is not transparent. So these are six main findings in this report. When you, Anna, went through this report, you said these are important findings in this report that concern our case. And the, those are they are on page six. To date, absent a few limited court rulings following lawsuits challenging the constitutionality of government screening practices and several privacy impact assessments, the executive branch has revealed hardly any information about what watch list it maintains, who is included, and why or how those lists are used. In addition, the executive branch has not revealed what agency and private sectors entities have access to this data and how this information is used. This reads like one of your filings. It doesn't read like a Senate report. Either. That's what I tell you that this is, this is a gift. And I think that this was definitely prompted by our lawsuit because when you look at the illegality of maintaining lists on people, that don't meet any kind of reasonable suspicion criteria to be deemed a criminal and for their names to be circulated around, distributed to 533 private companies, to 1,440 organizations, universities, higher education, research entities, credit report agencies, and 18,000 law enforcement. Wherever you go, you are on these watch lists that they just put you in there without any criteria to be there because you're not a criminal. It is illegal because it has to be Congress that authorizes this kind of watch listing that affects so many aspects of your life. It's a violation of the Privacy Act. That's one of the things that we have alleged. It's a violation of the Privacy Act for them to be through the National Crime Information Center spreading the information that people are this kind of, you know, criminals, because that's what it is. They're calling you a criminal and spreading it around the entire nation and to 60 countries. On page nine, you draw our attention to this sentence. Specifically, both the Federal Bureau of Investigation and the Department of Homeland Security failed to fully provide responsive documents and information that the committee requested. Well, doesn't that surprise you? I don't know what they requested, but if they did a full disclosure, even under confidential terms to this committee, that is the Homeland Security Commit Committee, they would be admitting to the commission of crimes because they are putting innocent people on these watch lists. And so no wonder they don't want to have a full disclosure, but this is what this committee should go after. Just as they have gone after the FBI, 
regarding FISA, just as they have gone after Garland regarding that, you know, the Catholics memo, they have to go after FBI and DHS demanding transparency because innocent Americans' lives have been completely obliterated because of the misconduct by these two agencies. On page 10, you're drawing our attention to the following sentence. The TSC, uh, Terror Screen Center, a multi-agency body administered by the FBI, manages the terrorist watch list and the broader system in which it is housed, the threat screening system. What's the significance of this sentence? Well, that's the first time we hear about that threat screening system. It's not an act of Congress, and it has to be. So obviously, we're going to look into it much more. But even Mr. Lighthouse, who just pretty much can recite everything about this uh, heinous list since 2017 that Targeted Justice was formed, he even he didn't know what this threat screening system was. So that is something we have to look into because clearly it's not an act of Congress. And they just have continued building up on Homeland Security Presidential Directive 6 with the limited authority gave to continue adding a lit, watch list and, and Stasi, a Stasi state, basically. That's a very important statement. So I'm adding also threat screening system to my list of items that I'm going to follow. Yes, this is a brand new discovery for us. On page 12, the U.S. embassies, consulates, and intelligence and law enforcement agencies responsible for making these nominations do so by proposing individuals known or reasonably suspected to be terrorists, as well as others to the terrorist watch list. And you say, what others? And I say it with you, what others? As well as others, you only have an instruction, an authority to list known or suspected terrorists. What I want to know is how come they don't come in is as well as others, who others, who, what others? It's illegal. It screams illegal to me, you know? It's absolutely a made up category that was never in the presidential order in 2003. The more categories, the more opportunities to hide people in them. On page 14, additionally, over the course of its existence, the terrorist watch list has further expanded into categories beyond known and suspected terrorists. Just said it. These categories include exception records, which may include information about relatives, associates, or other closely connected with known or suspected terrorists, as well as endorsers and insiders of terrorism whose precise terrorist support activities are known. It is truly opaque. Yeah, and that's how they put in there people that flew into Washington, D.C. for January 6th that maybe they were going to a funeral. And that's how they're putting in there, just forcing in people that are completely innocent, you know, the insiders of terrorism. What is that? You know, we're talking here First Amendment. When you So now you cannot exert your First Amendment right because you might be deemed by these people an insider of terrorism? Really? 
the categories are illegal because the only thing that that executive order authorized was known as suspected terrorists. And no one else but Congress can authorize this kind of watch listing. I'm sorry, it's just illegal. And we just found out with this report that there are many other categories we don't know about. We heard it directly from the Senate report. That's a gift. Page 15, moreover, in 2018, the Attorney General also granted the TSC authority to maintain additional databases. Bill Barr, CIA, Attorney General, oh my God. Every statement confirms what we've been screaming about, what we've been educating people about, what we've been trying to educate the judges about. This is all in the Senate report. It's like since when the attorney general has the authority to say, oh, yeah, yeah, you can include so much, so many other people on a, on a watch list and distributed throughout the nation. It's completely illegal. And now we know Bill Barr, he was a CIA director. I don't know why Trump nominated him as attorney general. I just got this this week. So that's obviously another FOIA that we need to do because we need to know what other data sets did he illegally authorize and the people behind him that came behind him have been following his illegal instructions. If it's not authorized by Congress, it's not legal. And that is exactly what Kovac v. Ray is arguing. Going on page 31, these are the sentences you've highlighted. As it has expanded to include exception records, the terrorist watch list includes certain relatives and associates of known or suspected terrorists, as well as individuals whose exact terrorist support activities are unknown. <laughs> However, individuals seeking to contest their inclusion as unwarranted and advocacy groups supporting these individuals have expressed concern about the scope of information sharing of the terrorist watch list with entities outside of the federal government, the full extent of which is unknown and how that sharing may also negatively impact certain communities and groups. I just, I mean, it, it, we don't have to comment much on the fact that it, that it includes individuals whose exact terrorist support activities are unknown. How can, how, how do they even dare reply to Congress and say, yeah, yeah, we, we put in there people that we, we don't know, you know, they're, it's unknown why they're there. It's unknown why they're there. And uh, the second paragraph is the impact. It is not known. You and I know how being illegally included on this list impacts our lives, not just on the physical aspect, but on little aspects from trying to get work done, trying to wire $300 to a friend in need, or just basic things as having your car not break down randomly. And yeah, when Congress, and this is one thing that we're going to take on as a newsletter, we want targeted individuals to write to this congressman and explain to him that he has to delve into these, these quotes, I'll put them in there, these quotes, so that he looks into the depth, the extent 
that this terrorist database has affected and taken away so much from the lives of millions of people. So the, the reason I wanted to bring these quotes to light is because we are going to urge targeted individuals to tag these people in Twitter and to write to them, uh, send them emails and make sure that this study of the watch list is expanded to include the impact on the lives of those people whose exact terrorist support activities are unknown and whose lives are detrimentally affected by it. Page 40, despite the expansion of the terrorist watch list and screening activities, no single entity has conducted a comprehensive assessment of how the changes to government watchlisting authorities in conjunction with all screening activities impact the public. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We all have to write to this congressman and tell him how the illegal screening and watch listing and inclusion in the terrorist screening database of innocent people. We're talking here babies. We're talking here toddlers children and grandmas, how their lives are severely affected because of these illegal screening activities, because it is illegal to label as a suspected terrorist somebody who is not. So let's help Congress do an assessment of the impact that these illegal watch listing practices have on Americans. Let's help them find out. Yes, and this is one of the recommendations from this uh, Senate report, because we're only talking about the findings, but there are also recommendations. And also, as a result of our legal activities, it should become a priority for the Congress to deal with it. Page 43, while the executive branch must be able to keep some issues of national security in order to protect Americans, this opaqueness does not allow for a discussion of whether the system is working and whether there are individuals who are disproportionately harmed by its implementation. And he's talking about a certain ethnic groups, but we're also a group. Targeted individuals is also a group that has been discriminated. Exactly, and in the complaint, we cited an executive order that prohibits agencies from labeling as confidential or classified information that establishes the illegality or corruption going on within an agency. So you can't just say, oh, it's classified to prevent disclosure of it if it demonstrates, proves that the agency has been acting outside of the legal boundaries. And that's exactly what this has to do with, you know? Congress must insist they cannot place shroud of secrecy over this issue because it is affecting the lives of real Americans in a very illegal way. I agree. I'm reading these excerpts and I'm, it's like I'm reading one of your filings, not a Senate report. This is how shocking it is. So this is the last quote. This concludes our legal and the only segment today called the watch listing enterprise. What stood out to me is when I put these numbers on an Excel spreadsheet 
and created these graphs, it became apparent to me that the word enterprise is actually has a direct meaning that the government is running TSDB as a business. It makes projections and it fulfills those numbers. We need to digest it on a very deep level. This is what the government, this is what the FBI, this is what the DOJ is doing to us. It's planning an expansion of TSDB and it's running it as a business. And it fulfills all its projections because they can. Because this is not a free market enterprise. This is a government enterprise. The saddest part of it is that there's a lot of people making money from this enterprise that are not just the government. Because Mr. Friend, Steve Friend, talked about how the um, supervisors at the FBI would get between thirty to $50,000 bonus if they met their quotas placing people on the terrorist database, categorizing them as terrorists. But here we know that there are corporations that are profiting. For example, you have corporations that do targeting. They have targeting officers. It's in the billions, the contracts of the private enterprises that profit from this inappropriate and illegal listing of innocent Americans and people throughout the world on the terrorist screening database. So uh, to me, this is a Christmas gift because the importance of, for me, of this report is not just what it says, but what it doesn't say. Because I believe that these um, Congress people had access to information that they were probably like, what is going on here? And they are going to continue looking onto this and making recommendations and probably enacting legislation to protect Americans. That's why we need to get on this, doing this homework as a priority. Totally agree. Well, you and I and uh, Mr. Lighthouse and all people, all the people who are intimately involved with the case, we got our Christmas present. We got our Senate report on this very issue. What about the rest of target individuals would you like to say merry christmas to them and what would be your gift to all those who are still suffering so unjustly yeah yeah well i i know it's been a long year and that we have brought hope to many of you and that many of you feel as though justice the wheels of justice don't uh, turn as fast as we want it to be but you have our commitment Len's commitment, my commitment, Mr. Lighthouse commitment that we're not going to stop until we're all free. And it was my, it was, it was my desire for all of us to be free on this year and the delays in the government, uh, you know, how they, they delayed everything to the very last minute. Well, that didn't make it possible, but that doesn't mean that our freedom is not closer than it's ever been. I just I just want you all to hold on to that hope because I I see it and this report is evidence that ears have been people have been perking up their ears and and people are listening even though they're not entirely putting it you know putting a portrait of the reality we're getting closer to to it much more than we were a year ago 
just look at this past year. I asked everybody to look at this past year and the accomplishments and, and that should give us the strength to continue and shut it down and just shut, shut these criminals down. Those are wonderful words, Anna. You mentioned hope, and this is exactly what Christmas means for me. I associate Christmas with hope. Hope for us targeted individuals and hope for all the humans as a whole. But the kind of hope I'm talking about is not hope for the sake of hope. My kind of hope has to be specific and realistic. So what specifically am I hoping for? I am hoping for the oral arguments in the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circus in our historic lawsuit. I know, given an opportunity, Anatolator will shine in the courtroom and grab attention of the judges that will wake them up to the plight of targeted individuals in the way they did not expect. This would be the first time our pleading will be heard from a person. All other cases were dismissed before they had a chance to speak to judges directly. I hope that more of target individuals will be accepted by their friends, family, loved ones, from their colleagues, and from total strangers. I hope more TIs will get educated about the program, particularly the fact that they don't have to live in fear. The fear and the stress is the goal of this program. Once you realize it, you will lose fear of going out, being in public, socializing. Yes, you will still be manipulated. You will made think that the world is against you. But those are the feelings pressed upon you, not what you organically generated in your mind. I want you to think of your targeting as a magic show where you are the audience. When you go to see a magic show, you don't have any fear, but you also know that whatever will be presented to you is an illusion. This is exactly how I treat it. And I hope that more TIs adopt this attitude. This is the magic show. And I hope that our legal efforts crack the inhumane program open and it will become the number one topic for everyone. And only then our elected officials will express interest in our liberation. I hope that our efforts on this podcast and beyond will help TIs to be able to explain and express what's going on with them with the credibility and composure that we project. That's my hope. So with all these hopes in mind, I want to repeat our pledge to you that we'll be here every Sunday, rain or shine. Mm -hmm.